Welcome to The Light of the World, and this is Jerry G. Martin. In light of all the things that's been going on in our country and in our culture, I want to share with you some basic biblical truths about what it's going to take to have a blessed home and a blessed family, a blessed community, and a blessed nation. It goes back to what God had already ordained that we have fathers and mothers in the family that will build a strong family. As we have just celebrated Father's Day, it is time for us to implement some of the characteristics of God our Father in being sure that our home and our family represents the kingdom of God. We honor and encourage every father to be like our Heavenly Father. Come and go with us today as we continue to walk in the light of God's Word. One of the most intriguing and interesting stories are those of families who have been separated that are getting connected again. Even more interesting are the stories of adopted or abandoned children who goes on a quest to find who their father is. I was watching a television documentary about some children who were trying to find out who their parents were, particularly their fathers. There's a girl who never knew her father as she was born to a single mother. It didn't matter to her what the circumstances were around her birth, nor did it matter to her who he was or what his station in life was. She had an insatiable desire to meet him and to connect with him. There was a young boy who lived with his adoptive parents who, who were good people and treated him like a son, but he was still overcome with the prospect of finding his real father. He wants to know what he looked like, and if his father would even acknowledge him as a son. He feels lost without the connection with his natural father. So no doubt there are those who are in the audience today who can identify with those who have a desire to know your father. According to one government statistic I was looking at, I wasn't sure whether I even believed this myself, it was so alarming. It said that 72% of African-American children are born to unmarried mothers. Dr. Natalie Carroll, an obstetrician who had dedicated her 40-year career to helping black women, says this is, un this is unfortunate. She made this statement. She says, the girls don't think they have to get married. I tell them children deserves a mama and a daddy. They really do. A mama can't give it all, and neither can a daddy by themselves. Dr. Carroll went on to say, part of the reason is because you can only give what you have. A mother cannot give all that a man can give. A truly involved father figure offers more fullness to a child's life. There was also some statistics by OurChildrenInvestment.org that homes without fathers ultimately affect children in numerous tragic ways. 
it told us that 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. And 85% of all youth in prisons come from fatherless homes. We can see the effect of a father not being in the home. If the statistics are right and 72% of babies that are African American are born to fatherless homes, even if it was 50%, that means there are probably quite a number of those in the sanctuary today whose father was not in the home when you were growing up. If your father was not in your home as you grew up, you may identify with the struggles and the challenges that many others have experienced. You may have enjoyed the benefits, perhaps if you, you had your father there, you enjoyed the benefits of having a loving, caring, kind father in your home as you grew up. How blessed we are to have had our fathers with us. If you had your father in the home when you grew up and he was nice and kind and, and was a loving father, give thanks for your father. But let us take a moment, however, and give God thanks for all fathers. And some of our fathers have passed on from this life. Let's take a moment and just give thanks for all of our fathers. Come on, just give thanks. And when our fathers are gone, they are no longer here. But there are others who had fathers in the home, but it was not a pleasant experience. There may have been some abuse, verbally, physical, or sexual abuse. Maybe the father was not a good provider. You may not have had a good relationship with him. You may not have one even today. And maybe your experience with your father has given you somewhat a, of a negative view of all fathers. But I want to spend some time today talking about father. And I was listening to Pastor Jackie as she was up doing an exhortation. And I thought maybe she was looking at my notes because we are on the same page with this message today. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship you had or didn't have with your father. I want to tell you this today. If you are saved and a believer, you have another father. And I want to emphasize that today because sometimes we can underappreciate the fact that we have another father. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, the first thing he wanted them to know was that they had a common father. And this is how you should pray, he said in Matthew chapter 6. And he started it off this way. Our father. Come on, let's say that together. Our father. Say it one more time. Our father. He started it that way. He says, we are now in the same family. 
we have a father. And for, to some people and all of us, that may give us a different view, depending on how our father was. But I'm going to tell you, God, the father is not like any other father. Jesus said, say it this way, our father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And if God is our father, how did this happen? So if your father is not with you today, or if, you're, if you've never had a father in the home, I want you to grab hold of this message today because you have a father who cares for you. How do we have this heavenly father? Paul wrote a note to Titus, and he said this in Titus chapter 3, beginning at verse 3, he says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Well, that was a good spot for an amen. When the kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. I mean, he said, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, what you've done. When you called on him, he saved us, not because we were good enough, not because we were special, but because of his mercy. And look at what he says. He saved us through the watching of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. Through Christ Jesus, our Savior, God picked us up from the, the muck and the mire and the lifestyles and all the sin that we were in. And he poured out his gracious generosity and mercy upon us. Pastor Jackie talked about that pitcher being full of water or liquid. He just lavished it and poured it out. He didn't just say, just take a little sip of this. He said, I'm going to pour it out all over you. That's what he did. That's what he, uh, uh, that's what happened in our life. And, and he said to Titus, there was a renewal. There was a new birth by the Holy Spirit. I have been changed. And then verse 7, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Oh, that's another spot for amen. Heirs mean that I'm in the, I'm, I'm, I have an inheritance. We have become heirs with Christ Jesus. We have, we have become heirs. We get what he gets. We have become heirs. He's put us in the family. He wrote us in the will. He said, now that you have come to me and I've poured out my grace upon you, the hymn writer said, oh, what a wonderful change has been wrought when Jesus came into my heart. And then in Ephesians, he wrote this to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. He said, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And then he goes on to say, in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Christ Jesus. Oh, you need to understand what happened when you come down the aisle and said, I want to give my life to God. 
I want change in my life. It's not just you speaking out. Something happens when you come forward and you receive Jesus Christ and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. I mean, the paperwork get changed on your outcome. I mean, he stamped you with a seal of approval. And he says, now you are the sons of God. He says, you've been adopted as his son through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to be the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given in us the one he loves. And then verse 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. If you ever want to know who you were in Christ, you want to read this verse over and over and over. You have been adopted. You are sons of God. Now, if you don't know uh, that you are the sons of God, if you don't know that you have an heirship with Jesus Christ, you will live beneath your privilege. God said, that's my son. That's why Jesus gave the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, the the father had all kinds of riches, but the son was out living his own life, found himself eating slops with the pigs in the pig pen. And after a while, he came to himself, why am I doing this when my father is rich? And you got to come to yourself sometimes. And why am I going through all of this when God is my father? And he has everything I need. Sometimes you don't understand who your father is. Paul said this in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba. Father, that's that word that says you, can, you, don't, you don't even have to address him all the time with his formal name as father. You can just call him daddy. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Say we're God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. If we are his sons, we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. So I want everybody just to sit up straight. I'm an heir and a co-heir with Christ. Come on, lift your head up and just say, I'm an heir, I'm a co-heir with Christ. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil keep beating us down. You got to tell him who you are. I'm an heir and a co-heir with Christ. Now, this is if you're saved. Now, if you're not saved, we're going to give you an opportunity to join our family. Everybody is a son of something. We either the son of God or you're going to be like Jesus when he told those that were threatening him. And he said, you are of your father, the devil. The devil have children. And we used to be them, right? We, was, we were working for him. He was our daddy. He influenced us. We had his DNA. But when we came to Christ, that's why he said that the Holy Spirit came and set us free and redeemed us, put us on a new level and said, no, you don't belong to him anymore. You belong to Jesus Christ and I'm bringing you into my family. You see, everybody, people tell me, well, we all God's children. We're not all God's children. We're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. (laughs) 
God said, you are the sons of God, have been redeemed and purchased and bought. And I put my spirit on the inside of you, poured out my grace and my love on you. You are the sons of God and I am your father, says God. The Bible says that we should praise God for who he is, especially when we pray and when we sing. In fact, much of the Psalms are about praising God for who he is. Most people concentrate their praise in just a few areas on God's love and God's grace. But I want to talk about our father today and I want you to know what kind of father he is so that you can appreciate and accept him for who he is. Let me tell you one thing about our father that he's not. He is not an absentee father. He's always present. You can always find him and he can always find you. So he's not an absentee father. And secondly, he's not a deadbeat dad. Paul says it this way, and my father shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. He's not a deadbeat dad. You don't have to put the man on him. You ain't got to sick the man on him saying he's not, he's not blessing me like he said he's going to bless me. But I want to tell you who our father is. First of all, our father is a father of all wisdom. In other words, God makes no mistakes. He's the father who knows best. That was a television sitcom back in the day when I was a small kid back in the 80s uh, that uh, the father knows best. Or was that the 60s? That was the 60s? Uh, Well, it was black and white TV. When was that? How many of you had that little piece of plastic you put on your TV with the three colors on it, make it a color TV? I could tell what age you are now if you had that. That little piece of plastic, green, yellow, and red. You put that over the TV and tape it in. It's a color TV, so they were red when it was in the red part and yellow when it was in the yellow part. That was a sitcom called Father Knows Best. Well, God really knows best. Romans eleven thirty three says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. God is the God of all wisdom. That's why we can trust him that he knows best. God is also sovereign. We don't use that word a lot. We don't understand it a lot. We don't want to hear it a lot. But what that means is that he's free to do whatever he wants to do and he knows what's best for us. He's sovereign. God is in control of everything that happens. God is sovereign. You know, and you want to be sovereign for your kids, don't you? Your kid want to go in there in the, in the kitchen and pull out the, the sharpest knife and play with it when they're three years old. You don't go and try to argue with them. You don't go and try to tell them that maybe our reason with you, you go snatch the knife. And you don't care whether they cry or throw a tantrum. You say, you're not going to have that. So you're sovereign and sometimes God will do that in our lives and no, that's not going to happen for you. You can get mad at him, but he said, no, you just don't know. I know. You don't know. Trust me, I got your best interest at heart. God is holy. This is the attribute that sets God apart from all created beings. 
There's absolutely no sin, no evil thoughts in God at all. And wherever God shows up, that becomes a holy place. God is omniscient. That means he possesses perfect knowledge and he have no need to learn anything. He already know. Come on, say he already know. God knows everything and his knowledge is infinite. He knows everything. And it is impossible to hide something from God. He already knows. But then God is faithful. Everything that God has promised will come to pass. Come on, say he's faithful. His faithfulness guarantees that fact. He's not going to lie. The Bible said it's God who cannot lie. He is faithful. You may not have received it yet, but if God promised it to you, it will happen because God is faithful. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Your father is faithful. I don't know what your earthly father did. He may have told you he was going to buy a gift for you and he never bought it. He may have told you he was going to pick you up at a certain time. He never came, but God is faithful. Whatever he tells you God will do it. He's going to honor his promise and he's so faithful that our hope of eternal life rests upon what he says. You came to him because he said anyone that believe on me will have everlasting life. You had to believe that to be saved. God is loving. Love is such an important part of God's character that the apostle John wrote this in the book of 1 John. He said, you want to know who who God is? God is love. He didn't say God just love. That's who he is. His very essence is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son because he loves in his very essence. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for the sins of others is his ultimate act of love. God's love is not a love of emotion. It's a love of action. Then God is just. The Bible says that God is just, but it is his character that defines what being just really is. Being just just brings moral equity to everybody. He's going to treat everybody the same. When there are evil acts, justice demands there be a penalty. But because of his love, God paid the penalty By going to the cross himself as Jesus Christ. He paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. His justice needs to be satisfied. And he took care of it for all of us who will believe on Jesus Christ. That's what he did with his love. When he sent Christ to the cross, he looked at all of our sins that we committed all that we will commit and says, I'm going to cover that sin with the blood of Jesus Christ. This is Jerry G. Martin, and you've been listening to The Light of the World, and I certainly hope that you've been blessed by today's message. If you would like to hear this message in its entirety, you can do so by going to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You'll be able to hear today's message and any previous messages that have aired on this station. We trust that God will continue to enrich your life as you walk in the light of his glory and his power. Jesus said he came 
as the light of the world. And then he says, now we are the light of the world. Maybe you are struggling right where you are. I want you to know that we're here to pray for you and to help you to grow spiritually. You can call us right now at our prayer line number 281-964-1393. Again, that's 281-964-1393. And we'll be standing by and praying for you. Maybe you want to make a decision for Christ today. We're here to stand with you and help you to walk through that. I invite you to be our guest at The Light of the World. Each Sunday morning, we're meeting in person at 16161 Old Humble Road. Again, that's 16161 Old Humble Road at 10 o'clock a.m. Or join us online at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. If you're looking for a Bible bookstore, come to our campus. The Beacon is right here. We have books, Bibles, church, and communion supplies. Call The Beacon, 281-441-2885, 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.